30 separate times about every 10 weeks on this podcast over six years. I picked five stocks. I chose a theme that made sense to me at the time, sometimes sublime, sometimes silly. And then I thought to myself, what are the five best recommendations that I can come up with for stocks that fit that theme? Aiming, of course, to beat the market, always to beat the market, the S&P 500. Otherwise, hey, why are we bothering? And then one year later, we review the picks. What was the theme again? How are the stocks doing? Also, how are they doing versus the market? More important for our learning, our way of thinking, why have the stocks done what they've done? A one-year review, and then another year passes, the two-year review, and then, well, we never forget. We hope you wouldn't also. We score everything transparently and accountably because we're fools. You should expect that of us. And then the three-year review, which is often the most telling. First, because three years have passed since I picked the five stocks, so we really can be smarter about what has happened and why and what we can learn. So that's the smarter part. But if I've done my job well, then we'll also be happier and richer as well. Now, that three-year review is also telling because most of the time we end the game right there. We're going to keep holding those stocks in real life, mind you. You should too if you own them. But if I kept reviewing all 30 of my samplers in years four and five and six, etc., we wouldn't have time to do much else on this podcast. Well, 30 separate times I've picked five stocks what I've also called my five-stock samplers, and we're going to review three of those samplers today. Five stocks indistinguishable from magic, five stocks with a tailwind blow, and five stocks that are mm, mm, good. Review them we will with my three analyst guest stars, Sanmeet Deo, Yasser Al-Shami, and Maria Gallagher, only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder, David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm rubbing my hands together with excitement this week. I love reviewing how our five stock samplers have done. You know, it's a funny discipline being a stock picker. You would know this too, I hope, dear listener, and many of us do at the Motley Fool. I'm a big sports fan, and when something amazing happens in sports, the feedback is instant. The crowd stands up and cheers. The athlete usually gets to do a dance, depending on what sport we're talking about. Everybody celebrates. It's all over the news that night. Highlights, final score. We all know it. What we do here, what you and I do, fellow listener, as investors, is the exact opposite. We take actions that we hope will win, that we think are exciting, But we don't know five seconds later if it worked. We don't know a day later. We don't know usually a year, two, or three later until it works. But when it does work, I do like to celebrate it because this is our moment. This is our time as non-athletes to do a little dance, to put some numbers up on the scoreboard, and to cheer. And I'm really happy to say that this week, with three more five-stock samplers being reviewed, stocks picked exactly one year ago this week, two years ago this week, and three years ago this week. Well, that's what we're working on. Now, I also want to mention, since I've done it 30 times, one of those samplers will be retired today. Five stocks that are mm, mm, good. And this episode, therefore, marks the 15th sampler of those 30 that are going up to what I'm now going to call, going forward, Fulhalla. That's right. Sitting in Fulhalla already are 14 past 
samplers, they'll be joined by the latest warrior that will ascend to Fulhalla when Maria Gallagher joins me later this show and we go over five stocks that are mm, mm, good. But brief reflections on performance before we get started with the first of our five stock samplers. First, I'd like to say that of the 15 that have ascended to Fulhalla, I'm really happy to say 13 of those 15 have beaten the market. And yes, spoiler alert, I'm including the one that we send off to Fulhalla today. So 13 of the 15 beating the market, two did not. That is a hit rate. That is an accuracy that I cannot possibly maintain and that astonishes me. And yet it's all real. So I'm very happy to report to you that 13 of the 15 of the first 15 retired samplers have beaten the market. Maybe even better, eight of those 15 have actually returned 100% or more. Now, that performance isn't too shabby given that most of these last for only about three years. And often a single stock can sink a group of five with really bad performance. So it's hard to maintain a high accuracy hit rate for these. It's even harder to maintain a triple digit return rate. I'm really happy to say it's happened eight of the 15 times. I should note the best performer in Rule Breaker Investing sampler history was five stocks the world needs right now. That was picked February in 2017. It lasted for four years. We were talking about four more years back then. And five stocks the world needs right now over its four-year run just concluded this February was up 346% against the market's 67%. And in fact, a little later this week, I think I will tweet out the list of Fulhalla samplers. So if you follow me on Twitter at David G. Fool, I will put out a graphic with the names of the 15 and the performances of each, including the two losers, because yes, we're transparent and we publish all our losers as well. All right, let's cue it up. In fact, let's crank up the Wayback Music Machine right now, because even though it was just a year ago, well, it's been quite a year, and it was a year ago. So let's go back in time and start to reflect on the five stocks picked a year ago this week. Five stocks indistinguishable from magic. Now, I'm proud to say, if you Google the phrase, five stocks indistinguishable from magic, all Google results, all 10 results above the fold on the first page of Google point to this podcast. So we really own this phrase, five stocks indistinguishable from magic. Well, at least for this point in time. I do want to mention Arthur C. Clarke. He's the one who came up with the phrase that we're rocking. He had three laws. And the third one was any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. But before welcoming on my friend Sami Deo, I want to share Clark's first two laws. I kind of love all three of these. So you know the third one, but let's review the first one. This distinguished scientist and futurist said, and I quote, law number one, when a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he is very probably wrong. Love that one. Law number two, and I quote, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible, end quote. And of course, law number three, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So I was looking at the bleeding edge that even to us in 2020 felt, sounded like magic. I was specifically, I remember Sanmeet getting away from SaaS stocks a little bit. I think I said something about this because they were all the rage and there was so much talk about them. And 
while it's a very interesting part of our world, there are so many bleeding, interesting edges venturing a little way out into the impossible. And I think that's that was what we were doing with this five-stock sampler. How are you doing, friend? I'm good. I had a nice Labor Day, so I'm excited to be here with you. Excellent, son. Meet. Well, uh, you did a great job when we did a review of Plus a few months ago, so I thought, let's have you back and let's have you look at these five stocks. And as is my what? Well, I've already kind of explained the theme. So we're going to cover the worst performer in these five one year later, the best performer, and then anything else we want to say about the other three. But before we get started, I thought a good icebreaker for this particular episode, I'll be asking each of my friends and Sami, I'll start with you. What's something funny that's happened to you recently? Well, it's funny because when you uh, when you asked me that uh, as a prelude, I uh, I was I had to dig in a little bit and think about it. And I even asked my wife, and she was like, "Well, you got to get out of the apartment to actually have something funny happen to you." <laughs> so, so uh, you know, as we've been all working from home and and, and digging in here, it's uh, been a little bit more challenging to find something funny that's happened. But I did find it, and um, so a couple months ago, my 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 family and I went to uh, just go out in the city, have some fun, go outdoors. We took a um, a speed racer boat called the beast which boats out into the um i want to say it's the the hudson river because that's the one on the west of manhattan so it's it goes i think 45 miles an hour and it was quite an experience a lot of fun the kids loved it we went with some other families and we're sitting in the boat we're just zipping along and it like bounces around on the waves and you know the what's funny about it that like they said you're going to get wet during the um <laughs> during the boat right and so you think all right the water's going to splash and it's going to hit you but little do we know until we actually rode the boat that there's actually a guy with a uh, with a super soaker splashing everyone what and, and that's how why most people got wet <laughs> <laughs> so we're cruising along on this boat it was beautiful view beautiful day we saw the city skyline we saw empire uh the statue of liberty and near the end, he took a bucket and he's coming down the, the <laughs> little hall, the little aisleway. And I just look up and he has the bucket ready to pour right onto me. And I'm just like, oh, no, here we go. He pours it. Nothing comes out. Oh. <laughs> no water. It was all nice. surprise and shock. But it was just I was prepping for <laughs> it. It was almost like an ice bucket challenge. And uh, it, was, it was quite funny. And we all laughed. And it was a. Uh, Good time. Would you recommend The Beast to another family in the greater New York area? Highly recommend The Beast to anyone in the greater New York area, any visitors. We're planning on going on it again. It's just it's a fun time. If you get a little seasick, maybe I wouldn't recommend it. But if, <laughs> if, if, if you're okay with that, then I, I, I highly recommend it. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that, Sanmi. That might be one of the top tips of this entire podcast yeah. this week is just that. So love you sharing that. Thank you. Now let's get into these five stocks, indistinguishable from magic. And as I mentioned earlier, well, I like to start with the worst performer. But before I do that, I should say, well, how is the market done? And as of this recording, we're recording Tuesday afternoon, mid-afternoon, September 7th, just about a year after 9 slash 2 slash 20. The stock market is up 26.4%. So that's an awfully good year. We would take that every single year to retirement and beyond, all of us, if we could somehow make the stock market rise 26.4% every year. So that is the target. That's what we're trying to beat with each of these stocks. And I'm really sorry to say that this particular stock we're going to start with, Sanmeet, has not. Pegasystems, ticker symbol P-E-G-A. Pegasystems a year ago was about 135. Today, it's about 140. So it's up 4%, but that's 22 percentage points behind the market. So we start in the hole with 
Pegasystems, the AI company whose founder and CEO, Alan Treffler, is still very much active. In fact, I interviewed him on Motley Fool Live somewhere around the time that I picked this doc a year ago. And Mr. Treffler, I hope things are better in the year ahead. We're 22 percentage points behind the market with the stock here in year one. Sami, what is happening with Pegasystems? Well, you know, this is one of those interesting ones where, you know, this is a, you know, it's currently uh, at market cap about $11.5 billion. As you said, it was founded by Alan Treffler. It's it's a leader in real-time interaction management to help use AI to, to in real time, to improve business outcomes. Um, so it's, it's a smaller name than what is typically in the S&P. And so, you know, sometimes as we do these analyses on companies, you look for for what's been going on, why it's been underperforming or outperforming, and sometimes you don't find much. And early on, since it was picked in the sampler last year, it you know the first couple quarters after that, it did miss on revenues and earnings, um, and it grew at about a single digit year over year revenue growth. Um, so that kind of took it took the stock down a little bit. Um, but over the past couple quarters, you know, it's beat on EPS and grown revenue, eighteen uh, percent in quarter one and forty-three percent in quarter two. So this was a tough one to figure out why it was underperforming. One of the reasons I would guess is well, you know, S and P is driven a lot by some of the bigger big cap names, and this doesn't this isn't in the S and P, so it, it's it's um it's it's a little difficult there, but. Also, it's migrating to a more recurring revenue model. So, you know, it, 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 it's not probably being valued at a high multiple like some of the cloud and SaaS and, and some of those stock um, out there. Um, so mm-hmm. that might have held the valuation down. But, you know, it's doing some very interesting things. And I was, as I was listening to the podcast from last year on, 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 um, on the magic with this company, and it's almost like it's helping businesses predict how to retain customers and, and improve their 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 customer retention as well. So one thing that was cool was they acquired a company called Curious.io for AI powered speech analytics. So I'd I'd be interested in seeing and digging in on how they're gonna use that. Like are they gonna mm. be able to to see inflections in in voice and in in trends in what people are saying to predict how they're feeling? That that would be very interesting to see how they kind of kind of use that company and then also they they acquire um they announced pega process ai which is a new set of pega platform capabilities that kind of it really is an an only solution that kind of intelligently triages millions of incoming customer requests transactions and other events at like an enterprise scale so while while it has underperformed the market over the past year it has it's 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 in a pretty nice secular trend of growth and they're they're adding on to the businesses that they have and they're still growing nicely as they've kind of come back to that that higher revenue growth in the past few quarters so it's it's a very interesting name for sure. Well, thank you very much for that, Sanmeet. And yeah, it, it continues to be, um, of course, I'm bemoaning one bad year of performance where the <laughs> stock is up, just not up with, with the market. But it's been a spectacular performer over the long term for Motley Fool Stock Advisors. So uh, let's make it clear that we, we really do like Pegasystems quite a lot, in part because it's done so well for a lot of Fool members. And we, we feel a lot of promise going forward. In fact, to put a number on it, um, I think I first picked it in October of 2011. So we're just about to come up on the 10-year anniversary, and it's up eight times in value. Uh, well, more than doubling the market over the course of that time. This is a quieter company, isn't it, Sami? There are no big yeah. headlines about Pegasystems, 
Um, but you know, real-time AI-driven interactions, or if you're a customer service person, knowing the right thing to say at the right moment, potentially, or being coached to do that by software, could be very effective for for one's business. So we'll hope in the year ahead, actually, since this is a three-year game, in the two years ahead, that Pegasystems continues to put up some good numbers and flourishes a company, a company indistinguishable from magic. Now, from the worst performer, we're going to go to the best performer. And, you know, while I might have been bending indistinguishable from magic a little bit to fit in Pegasystems, because I, don't know, I think a lot of us would say it's amazing to be given real-time AI about what to say in a certain circumstance. I, I remember in the past when I've tried to describe what indistinguishable from magic would have felt like a thousand years ago, let's say explaining the internet to a Viking, I think almost anybody a thousand years ago would also be amazed to think that you could be told the right thing to say at the right moment by software. Of course, it would take a long time to explain to a Viking what software was. But anyway, ASML logic, ticker symbol ASML. This really is a company that I think, whose products I think are indistinguishable from Magic. I'm going to have you tell us a little bit about them in a sec. But first, let me mention, how has ASML Holdings done? And the good news is it's more than doubled. So with the stock market up 26.4%, happy to say ASML up 116.7%. We'll just round that off to a plus 90 in the win column in terms of being 90 percentage points ahead of the market averages. ASML, could you explain to our listenership, Samit, a little bit about what this company does? Yes. Yeah, so um, it basically uses photolithography to make semiconductor chips using a process called extreme ultraviolet lithography that essentially, and you talked about this on your podcast last year, it makes seven nanometer chips, which go into like an iPhone. And I was amazed by the stat. You, you There's 25.4 million nanometers in an inch. So it's in a an inch in an inch, <laughs> which is mind blowing when you when you when you mentioned that. So basically it makes the equipment that chip makers use to create the chips that basically power everything in our world now. And it's it's pretty amazing. Like this really does define to me like a company that is creating magic for the world because, you know, the secular end market drivers for this are 5G, AI, high performance computing. You know, it's, it's fueling demand for all those things. And they, they, their customers are the big dogs, you know, Intel, Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, and so they are basically needed. And I, one thing I saw too that was very interesting about them is that, you know, they have almost an earned monopoly with their business, but it took almost decades to master their techniques. And they spent a lot of blood, sweat, and toil to, to create the business and, and, the, and the equipment that they provide to, you know, these chip makers. So interesting thing too is that, you know, there's been such a supply shortage of semiconductor chips, a lot of it driven by just the increased digitalization that's come about with the COVID pandemic and the, the need for these digital solutions in, in our life. And they've been able to perform well, consistently beating revenues and earnings um, since, since it was picked and even be beyond that. And they're looking at 35% revenue growth for the, for the next year. And they're just gushing cash. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me to see that they're, that this is a company that has almost 25% net margins, which, you know, any business that has that kind of net margins, net margins are, are, is, is pretty unbelievable. And the market is not even 
done growing. The semiconductor industry and makers have combined sales of about $500 billion, and it's estimated that could even reach a trillion by the end of the decade. And that's just mm. its market. And one of the big stories we've heard about over the last year is how there's a semiconductor chip shortage worldwide. We're hearing things like cars, especially electric cars, aren't coming as fast off of the manufacturing line because they can't find the chips. Maybe, Sami, part of the reason they can't find the chips is the chips are invisible. We're talking <laughs> about seven <laughs> nanometers. We're talking about invisible technology that is driving everything in our world today. So I, I'm, I'm just so happy that we selected this Dutch company, by the way. This is a Netherlands-based company. I always love it when we find European rule breakers. There aren't as many of those, but this is clearly one of them. The stock basically straight up since we picked it a year ago. Of course, we picked it before that in Stock Advisor. I, I hasten to mention every stock ever picked in a five-stock sampler was picked well before that often in Motley Fool Rule Breakers or Stock Advisor with lower cost bases than we play the games with here. This is another example. But wow, if this stock pretty much hasn't gone straight up in the 12 months intervening. Well, I'm going to keep us moving here because we've got three more stocks I would just like you to speak to briefly. And they are, in no particular order, NVIDIA, which is up 58%, 32 percentage points ahead of the market. Replogen, which is up 90%, that's 64 percentage points ahead of the market. And then Solar Edge Technologies, which is basically even with the market, up 26%. So there are three more companies. We don't have time for depth on all of them, but is there one that you'd like to pick up and say something about? Well, I have to, in spirit of the magic theme, I have to, I have to mention NVIDIA and in, in one of their more recent conferences, they, they had, uh, the CEO did a pre keynote presentation at their GTC conference in April, and they in Nvidia in a blog post revealed that a portion of that was a virtual replica of 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 uh, Jensen Wong, the CEO. So they, they, <laughs> it says that only 14 seconds of the hour and 48 minute presentation were animated. So if that's not magic, I don't know what is. I mean, it's they're demonstrating their technology and and their capabilities with this new software too that they have called the Omniverse, which to me is almost like the holodeck in in Star Trek. If you're a Star Trek fan, where you can basically create a virtual reality universe and that was just magical to 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 see and hear about and this is a you know 565 billion market company that's just hitting on all engines is you know growing even despite the chip shortages now they make the chip so they're they're one step you know beyond where where asml is but mm -hmm. but they are just knocking out of the park growing their tam even and again Amongst those secular trends of AI, um, you know, autonomous driving, even cryptocurrency mining, which has been kind of controversial for them, they created a whole new chip just for cryptocurrency mining. Um, mm. And and so, and they're also in 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 process of potentially buying ARM for forty billion dollars in cash and stock, which is which is going to take some time. There's going to be some regulatory challenges with that, but they they uh, Nvidia is. If if you ever thought mm. that this if you ever thought that this thing company was done with what they were doing, they definitely are not. And their their TAM and their optionality just continues to just expand beyond magic. 
Well said. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you've used TAM a couple of times. A lot of our listeners will know that. But for those who don't, that's an acronym for Total Addressable Market. And that's something that Sam Mead and a lot of other Motley Fool investors look at, because, and I do too, because it helps you think, how big could this thing become? Like, what is the total addressable market? And I feel as if in the world of semiconductors, it just keeps getting bigger. It enlarges over time. NVIDIA was a much smaller company with a smaller footprint on the world, smaller possibilities 25 years ago, and yet it just keeps growing, not just itself, but its total addressable market. And Jensen Huang, who to me, Sanmeet, has got to be one of the truly underrated CEOs of our time. I mean, uh, his company, he, he ha- helped found this company. It's worth half a trillion dollars today. And uh, that is greatly to his credit and, and the work of many, many others as well. But I'm glad you mentioned just the size of the market cap for NVIDIA. And it's nice to know that even with a big market cap like that, you can find winning stocks. A lot of people feel like sometimes they miss stocks like this or they think they're too big. Well, I hope you didn't think that a year ago if you were listening to this podcast, dear listener, because the stock's up 58% in just the last year and it yet it keeps growing. By the way, should mention really quickly, ASML has a market cap of $350 billion, so close to about half the size of NVIDIA. But both of these are very large and growing companies. Well, not enough time to talk too much about Replogen or Solar Edge this time, but you know what? This is just the first year for this sampler, so we'll come back a year from now and we'll reflect on some of those, especially if they've done particularly well. But to, to put a bow on it now, Sunmeet, these five stocks taken together, are up 59.1% against the market's 26.4%. That means we're up 32.7 percentage points per stock up and down that list of five with some winners and even one loser. But this is an awfully good way for us to start this first year with this sampler. You know, I really, I hope you do too. I really like the theme. I feel as if adopting themes like this and asking yourself questions periodically like, what is indistinguishable from magic today? And then being willing to take a position in that, maybe a starter position or maybe in a bigger cap company, you feel more comfortable with a full position. That can lead to, I think, very successful rule breaker investing. Before I let you go, Sanmeet, we've just talked about five stocks indistinguishable from magic. I'm not going to ask you for a specific stock plug, although you can plug a stock if you'd like. But how about another technology that for you comes to mind here in the year 2021? as indistinguishable from magic? I am going to say mRNA technology. Um, and that is primarily been used by Moderna um, in the COVID vaccine. And I'm excited, to, as I've done a lot of research on the stock, to see where it's going to go with the technology. It's essentially coding the body to fight disease. And mm. the magic of being able to sequence a disease quickly and create a vaccine or a treatment or therapy that will help our body and teach our body to fight the disease is pretty magical to me. And I think there's so much potential for the technology and it's been in development kind of like ASML has been working on its technology for so many years. It's been in development for, for MRNA technology that is for over 40 years before the COVID pandemic hit and they were at the right time and the right place with the technology to make it work and, and succeed. Wonderful. Love that. And, That is also another rule breaker and a successful rule breaker stock pick. It's had a great year. But we've just closed looking at a year, but we both know, Sami, it's not about a year. I mean, it's fun to live another year and play the game for another year. 
But one year does not an investment career make, and one year does not a stock return make. We're in it for a lot more to win it for a lot more than that. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Sami Deo, so much for helping us look at five stocks indistinguishable from Magic. Again, doubling up on the market averages here in the first year, a great start. Sami, have a great week. All right. Thanks. You too, Dave. All right. Well, on to sampler number two of three, this particular review of Palooza. I mentioned the name of the sampler at the top, five stocks with a tailwind blow. But I do want to just recall how we came up with this particular sampler theme. It was a listener, Paul Knoppen. Paul, I hope you're out there and listening right now. Paul had been president and CEO of a company that sold Catholic church bulletins. So going to church on Sundays, if you have a little bulletin included with your church program, it might have been Paul's company that was producing that. And he noticed he was doing a good job managing that business, but it was just kind of a single digit sort of sleepy growth rate, sort of a print newsletter company. And all of a sudden he saw e-commerce showing up and thought, you know, what if I added to my business the idea that people might give donations online? Yes, we pass around the hat in many different forms of churches globally, but Paul started thinking, you know, there's a big tailwind behind e-commerce and online transactions. And so he moved his smaller business into the bigger business of online transactions and hit a home run. And so he told that story and I I was happy to read that story. It was a write-in, maybe from a mailbag, but that formed the basis for five stocks with a tailwind blow. And so, you know, I was thinking about, well, one of my favorite assertions about the stock market and investing is that most people are actually confused about how to earn success because they think it's about, you know, buying low and selling high. They think you need to have a target price, that the most important trait you can exhibit is sell discipline so that you can ensure you limit your losses. Now, in a world too focused, I would say, on the when of investing, I've always preferred the what of investing. So I think what you buy matters most. It's hard to make 10 times your money on a stock if what you're buying never goes up 10 times in value, and many stocks on the market never do. So if you get your what right, I remember saying, your when starts to matter less and less. So five stocks with a tailwind blow. And I'd now like to welcome in my friend Yasser Elshami. Yasser, welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Hi, David. Good to be here. Thank you. And thanks for taking time to look over these five stocks, which we'll cover very shortly. We'll start with the worst performer, get to the best, and talk about the sampler. But I'm going to ask you the same question I asked San Meet. And that is, Yasser, what's something funny that's happened to you recently? Oh, boy. Um, so my four-year-old daughter, um, who's, by the way, the funniest person in our family, uh, <laughs> extended family included, she has been wondering for a while now as to why she cannot whistle, but I can. You know, she thought it was some kind of superpower ability that dads have. And uh, the other day, I was just whistling at the dog to come, which she did come over. And, you know, she's a good dog. Um, you know, Bria looked at me and she said, Baba, you can whistle because you speak Arabic. So apparently only Arabic speakers can whistle in her mind. And that's why she can't be faulted for not whistling. So mystery solved, case closed. Do you remember when you first whistled back in the day, Yasser? Oh, my God. I must have been at least in my preteens uh, because I remember struggling for the longest to be able to whistle. Yeah. So she's got some years ahead of her. It is an awfully helpful skill. I think it's a life skill. 
Are you one of those people who can put two fingers in your mouth and make it incredibly loud? Or are you like me and you just kind of hum whistle? Absolutely not. I can only hum whistle and even then just barely. So the fact that, <laughs> you know, my daughter thinks that I have some kind of superpower is in itself amazing. But it yeah, she doesn't, like, she doesn't know any better. <laughs> it sounds like your ability to whistle, at least to one four-year-old, is indistinguishable from magic. There you go. <laughs> and that's the way we like our dads and moms. All right. Well, thank you for that, Yasser. Let's get to five stocks with a tailwind blow. This was first picked in the podcast by the same name, September 4th of 2019. So here we are, just about exactly one year later. And the stock market, wow, Yasser, the stock market is up 53.6% from two years ago this week. I was saying earlier with Sanmeet, I'll take 26% every year. Looks like I pretty much, we have these last two years, because if you double 26, you get somewhere around 53.6, which is the return of the market overall. Of course, I'm not including compounding for the mathematical pedants out there, but we're having fun. So 53.6%. That's It's been a spectacular two years of investing. Absolutely. And that's definitely a high bar to clear for any investor to try to meet that uh, that kind of performance, let alone beat it. So I hope I'm not, you know, please give away the performance so that everybody knows uh, how the five stock sampler did. Well, we'll keep that hidden in the wings. But I will mention, speaking of hard to beat, two stocks in this sampler have had a hard time beating 53.6%. We'll focus on the great underperformer here two years later. Now, I'm happy to say overall that Waste Management, which is a company I deeply esteem and am grateful for, is up over these two years. It's up 27%. But when the market's up 54%, that means you're down 27 percentage points uh, to the index funds out there. So, Yasser, what has been happening or not happening with Waste Management, ticker symbol WM? Well, you know, Waste Management is an all-familiar American company. It has been a leader in the environmental services or waste management space uh, for many years now. Um, If you have traveled across the country, you'll see those green and yellow emblems adorning those trash trucks all across the nation. So um, they do have a moat of being the sole trash collector across numerous municipalities, owning the largest number of landfills across the country. Mm. Um, And they have also championed 18 consecutive years of dividend growth. So it's definitely a good business. The thesis you laid out two years ago, David, was one where po- population growth, as well as greater amounts of waste and recycling, leads to further growth for waste management. So far, that you know did not play out exactly as anticipated. Um, and while some people might argue that this can be attributed to the slowing pace of population growth and immigration in the United States, It's actually more likely uh, attributed to the fact that waste management had some really adverse impacts caused by the COVID-19 lockdowns. Mm. So for the full year 2020, revenue decreased at around $141 million in the company's collection and disposal business compared to 2019. And that was primarily driven by $669 million in volume declines, that is less waste being generated and collected. And similarly, gross gross operating profits in 2020 declined uh, year over year for the first time in five years. So lockdowns, work from home and disruption to supply chain 
may have, you know, taken a hopefully temporary toll on the business. However, I'm glad to report that for the first half of this year, there are signs of life. Um, you know, the margins bouncing back, revenue growing over 9% and management guiding to about 16% top line growth for uh, fiscal year 2021. So, we have another year left on this basket of stocks, and I think waste management may get catch up. Thank you very much for that analysis. It is funny to to be a, a shareholder, fan, owner, stock picker of waste management, because you're kind of cheering for more garbage out there. That way we get more business. And so the pandemic has meant a lot less of many, many different things. Fewer graduations, fewer parties, fewer theatrical events, and yes, a lot less garbage as well. And so waste management is very much dependent on the global economy, or in this case, the national economy, which like the rest of the globe, was depressed for understandable reasons over these last two years. Are you surprised that the stock's still up 27%? Not based on the performance they've had so far this year. I mean, this is a kind of steady, edgy business. They have had a, a revenue CAGR of about 5% for the longest. But the fact that they're guiding for 16% revenue growth this year tells you that the economy is bouncing back and it's bouncing back hard. And waste management is tends to benefit from all that trash that's about to be generated by everybody who's uh, kind of unshackling themselves from the lockdowns and going out mm. and enjoying life once again. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the 18 years of dividend increases. This is, I don't know if that qualifies officially for the dividend aristocrat label, but I'll say this it's an awfully good, steady dividend payer and a, a big company that can generally afford to do that. You also mentioned Kager, which is, I want to break down our terms. So, again, a lot of our listeners will know this, but not everybody knows that that is an acronym C A G R for compound annual growth rate. So, when you can compound your annual growth rate at double digits, and you're a large company, that's going to spell good things in general for investors. So I, I will say, Yasser, as I picked this stock two years ago this week, I wasn't thinking that waste management was going to light the world on fire. In fact, I like to mix in some slower, steadier companies within these samplers. It's not just an all-out go for alpha, although we do hope that we can find enough good stocks to fill a five-stock sampler with some that will trounce the market. I'm happy to say we're about to talk about one of those right now. But waste management, again, I feel really good about this company. Still up 27% during two of the hardest years probably in its recent history. And, and I really like what you're pointing to, which is the forward expected growth rate. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. You're right, Yasser, this particular sampler has one more year to perform. Well, from worst, let's go to first. And first, well, yeah, it's been it's been pretty great. Now, Spoiler alert, three of these five stocks have more than doubled. So this has been a pretty spectacular five-stock sampler. But the best of the best for this one, so far anyway, is the Trade Desk, ticker symbol TTD. The stock was at 24 when I picked it two years ago this week. These days, it's closer to around 75. So it's a triple up about 214%. The Trade Desk has been volatile, certainly, over the course of these two years, Yasser. Why is it so far out on top at this point? Well, you know, if you have been following this company, you would not be surprised at all. Um, this company has almost single-handedly reinvented the programmatic advertising space, proving providing 
kind of an online stock market-like marketplace where sellers and buyers of digital ads can match their needs and prices. In fact, the founder himself, uh, founder and CEO, Jeff Green, he used to be a stock trader, um, and he got the inspiration for building this company from working on the stock market and wondering why is it that so other markets that exist lack the kind of the dynamism, transparency, and ubiquity that uh, we currently have with the stock market and trading stocks. So he built this company from scratch and provided a compelling proposition to buyers and sellers of, of digital advertisement. So I've never used the platform myself. Have you, Yasser? I have not, unfortunately. I've never had anything to advertise. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. But for those who who will use it or one day may use it, it really is just matching buyers and sellers at a price instead of being shaking hands on where a stock should be in a given second or minute. We're Mm -hmm. shaking hands on how much that bus wrap in Louisville, Kentucky would be worth this upcoming weekend. And so... In this huge world of both offline and online advertising, the Trade Desk is so well positioned. And boy, has it been just a spectacular performer for Motley Fool Rule Breakers. Uh, While I'm delighted by our cost of 24 for this sampler two years ago, really delighted to note that the Trade Desk was first picked. Boy, this isn't even that long ago. February 22nd, 2017. The cost that day, $3.43. So for it to be up Around 75 puts it more than a 20-bagger just four years later. Now, these are all split-adjusted numbers because, Yasser, this stock has split in the meantime. But I guess I'd like to point out not just that we recommended it in Rule Breakers at $3.43 February 2017, but that we re-recommended it just three months later. It had gone to $5.15. Now, that may not sound like much. What, three and a half to five? From a percentage standpoint, the stock was up nearly 50% in just three months. Again, a lot of people would at that point feel they missed it and not go there, but that is the opposite of how we're inclined as rule breaker investors. So adding at five, watching the stock go to 75 has been spectacular. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the trade desk before we move on to some of the other stocks in this sampler? Sure. And I can just hear in my mind so many institutional investors gasping at the idea of adding after a 50% run. But that's exactly (laughs) what RBI investing is like. Now, according to eMarketer, connected TV ad spending has risen by 47.5% and 40 0.6% in 2019 and 2020, respectively. Hmm. It's also poised to grow by another 48.6% uh, this year. Now, this is a forceful tailwind behind any business in this segment, let alone this market leader here, uh, the Trade Desk, which has done very well um, in this connected TV advertisement advertising uh, space. Now, last year, the trade desk growth was affected by cutdowns in digital ad spending during a time when a lot of advertisers hit pause um, during the pandemic. A lot of buyers stopped buying ads, uh, but I'm glad to announce that it has roared back to action this year. Revenue growing over 50% during uh, the first half of 2021. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it's a great business. The CEO and founder, Jeff Green, has an astounding 94% employee approval rating on Glassdoor. Mm. That's just unbelievable. Um, and also, despite the business growing at the high double digits, uh, it is already profitable. 
and is increasing profitability year in, year out. They are projected to just have so much cash by 2030 that they're probably going to have to issue a dividend or something or, or look for some major acquisition. Mm. Thank you for that and all of those facts. I really appreciate that. I'll add another fact. The market cap today, $37 billion for this company. So it's still kind of like a, a tenth the size of, well, ASML Logic, which we talked about last sampler, but a lot of room still to grow for this market cap. You know, it's funny to see the stock. Yasser, it was around 90 in, in February of this year. It nosedived to 45 just three months later. So this stock got cut in half this year in just three months. It's a reminder of how volatile rule breakers can be. And certainly when the environment turns against either all of our stocks, like the whole market, or against a single one, I'm presuming, I don't remember, I'm thinking they had bad earnings announced maybe uh, in, in the summer. But yeah, this stock got cut in half, but it's now since come back from 45 to 75, where it is today, a huge winner, captaining this five stock sampler. The other three stocks, well, let's go over them real quick, Yasser. Next Era Energy up 52%, basically just a, a percentage point or two behind the market. Roku is up 104%. That's one of our doublers in this one. And Teladoc up 143%, another stock that's doubled in this five stock sampler. So those are each very interesting, radically different businesses. We don't have time for them all, Yasser, but would you like to pick up one of those and give us some insight, whether it's Next Era Energy, NEE? Roku, which is, of course, R-O-K-U, or Teladoc, ticker symbol T-D-O-C. Absolutely. And just one general comment that the two stocks that were supposed to be the anchors of this portfolio, Next Era Energy and Waste Management, have been the relatively speaking, the worst performers of the group, whereas sort of mm. the more high growth names have have done absolutely spectacularly well. Now, the stock I'm going to talk about right now is Teladoc, um, which as you put it back then, it was a bet on the rising adoption of telehealth in a, in a world where the internet is available to everybody and people are busy and don't have the time to sort of uh, go to the doctor most of the times. So now, the softness in the stock price this year comes on the back of a spectacular 2020, a pandemic year, which was effectively the reason why Teladoc existed. People could see their doctors without having to go to the hospital or to a clinic mm, uh, so and true. be at risk of, uh, of, of infection. Um, so, you know, they acquired uh, this other company, Live and Go, uh, last year also, which is a specialist in chronic care management. And that has provided the company with more opportunity to grow their total addressable market and offer a more comprehensive solution to, the, to Teladoc members. Now, competition is fierce in this space, I must warn, and Teladoc will probably need to prove that it offers a compelling value proposition compared to its peers uh, in this space in order to continue its very strong run uh, over the past couple of years. Well said. And that, that merger obviously wasn't just important for this company. By the way, both of those companies were on the Rule Breaker scorecard. So it's always fun to watch two of our stock picks merge with each other, but really a, a big story for its whole industry. So this is a company that's now clearly out front in the race to bring you better and more frequent telemedicine. And I really like its positioning. This is a stock, well, I mean, it was riding really high on optimism and expectations. That merger you mentioned, stock was around 300 in February. Today, it's 143. So this is actually a stock that has been cut in half and stayed there. The trade desk came back. This one cut in half and stayed there 
it's still up 140% from where it was two years ago. So these are almost titanic numbers in both directions to wrap our minds around. This is not an every year kind of a phenomenon. This is not an every kind of stock phenomenon either. These are really interesting times for a business like this. But there's no question, as you pointed out, Yasser, there's a tailwind behind this company, an awfully big one. So we'll keep our own dollars and our members long. So that's Teladoc. All right. Well, take it all in all, dear listeners, you probably would expect if we've had three stocks that have more than doubled in just two years from when this one was picked two years ago this week, stock market's up 54%. That's awfully nice. Our stock's up 108%. So I'm happy to say as the market closes and we record here this Tuesday afternoon, I can officially say we're exactly a double on the market averages with this five-stock sampler. Five stocks with a tailwind blow. Yasser, let's hope the wind keeps blowing for at least another year. I'm sure it will, David. No doubt about it. Now, before I let you go, Yasser, it occurs to me while I ask Sanmeet for another indistinguishable from magic technology or stock, I don't want to let you go without asking you, there are other tailwinds blowing out there. Do you see a tailwind blowing behind a particular company or industry today? Well, um, David, I think that we are probably headed into a world where the next operating platform is not going to be the laptop necessarily. I think that we are going into a world of augmented reality and virtual reality uh, where people's offices uh you know, are effectively headgear. So <laughs> you put mm. you put either uh, glasses or headset uh, on your head, and you're suddenly transformed into a different place. Now that you can imagine all the applications that can come with that, uh, you know, work, travel, fun, sports. Um, the world is kind of yours for the taking, right, right from right from your own house. So I believe there is probably going to be a tremendous tailwind for that kind of trend. Uh, we're very, very early uh, on that. But I, I do view that trend as one that's going to unfold. And there will be multiple winners in that space for sure. I love it. And that enables me to mention actually a few apps I've enjoyed using on my iPhone over the last few months that are all kind of part of that AR space. So a few free plugs here. Uh, Flight Radar 24. This is Have you used this one, Yasser? This is really geeky. I have not used it, but I have enjoyed watching other, other people use it. Yeah, that's right. You just kind of wheel your iPhone up, aim it at any plane you see in the sky, and augmented reality will show you where that flight is headed, where it came from. It'll name the aircraft type and a few other fun facts. So yeah, Flight Radar 24. Slightly more seriously, picture this is one I've really enjoyed. If you find yourself surrounded by beautiful flowers or you still can't identify what an oak tree looks like, just aiming your camera using picture this uh, you can basically ID any form of plant life, which is pretty cool. Seek is another one which does plant life and critters. Uh, it's not quite as technical or accurate in my experience as Picture This, but it's an awfully fun app. And Smart Bird ID also will grab a picture that you take of a bird or listen to what you're hearing in the sky and will ID birds. So I'm thinking already about various consumer uses, just pure fun for someone like me of AR in various forms. I agree with you, Yasser. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we were in Giza, Egypt, and uh, my nine-year-old stepson entered inside of the Great Pyramid of Giza, and he was actually looking for Pokemons using his Pokemon Go app on his phone, chasing them inside <laughs> the Great Pyramid of Giza. So that's amazing. 
Love it. That sounds like a tailwind blow to me. Well, thank you again, Yasser El Shami, and have a great week. Thank you, David. All right. Well, it's time to go even further back in time, Rick. Thank you very much. So let's get back into the mentality. You're sitting wherever you're sitting. Maybe you're standing, but let's just say you're sitting. You're sitting in the seat of you in 2018. It's September 2018. And as I keep a calendar that shows me kind of where I was every day of my life since... Well, whenever I started adopting iCal, moved over to the Mac platform back in 2008, so 13 years running, I can see, oh my gosh, I had just gotten back from Bermuda. We were celebrating my sister-in-law's 50th birthday, a wonderful place to celebrate. I'm a big Bermuda fan. Some of my earliest favorite memories of traveling abroad, well, it was kind of abroad from the U.S., was going to Bermuda the beautiful island that's just east of North Carolina. And so a lot of people who've heard Bermuda but have not been there may not realize it doesn't actually get that warm in the winter. No, that's the lower part of the Atlantic Ocean, the Caribbean. Bermuda is actually kind of equal with North Carolina. So not necessarily a huge winter destination for those seeking warmth in the winter. But wow, what a beautiful island. I remember an island that has no snakes. That's another thing to like about Bermuda. But Enough about Bermuda or me on 9-5-2018. Let me welcome my friend Maria Gallagher as we start to look at five stocks that are mm, mm, good. Maria, do you remember roughly what you might have been doing in September of 2018? September of 2018, I was working for The Motley Fool. Uh, Excellent. Just hanging out. So <laughs> I wasn't in Bermuda, but I was still having a good time. <laughs> good. And I'm delighted that you're with me because in part, and I didn't intend this, but sometimes kismet, in part, your first name starts with what letter? M. The letter M. This is perfect. So we have five M stocks for mm-mm good. And we can throw in one of my favorite analysts at The Motley Fool, Maria Gallagher, for the sixth M. Maria, it's been fun to look over these five companies. What I remember about the theme of this sampler is that it was completely silly. I think I randomized a letter and then I thought, oh, it's M. And then I thought, okay, well, what are five stocks that are M stocks? And you know, part of the work that I did for years uh, over Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers is that I worked up to about 225 actively recommended stocks because one month after another, one year after another, I would recommend stocks to buy, but rarely sell. And if you do that long enough, you end up with a few hundred stocks. So admittedly, I did have a fair number of good M's to pick from. And as we look through this list together, well, I picked uh, at least one really good one, but wow, at least one really bad M stock. Let's start right there. Actually, before we start there, let's talk about the market. That's the seventh M. The stock market, the market is up 56.2% from three years ago. So it was actually kind of a a slow year, 2018 into 19. Uh, But when you think of the three years, 56% return, we'll take that every three-year period. So Maria, 56.2%, that's the number we're trying to beat. These stocks were picked on 9-5-2018. That means we officially closed them out on 9-4 of 2021. That would be this past weekend. So These numbers are now final. Let's start with ticker symbol M-O-M-O. The company's name is Momo. Momo, a Chinese dating business. Really regret to say that I picked it because back then it was at $45.23. It closed over the weekend at 13 dollars 
The stock is down 70%. The market up 56%. Maria, this might be the worst stock I ever picked in any of our 30 samplers. What happened, is happening, has happened to Momo? So Momo is a company I hadn't heard of um, until I started looking into it and I talked um, to some of our other analysts who follow it more closely. It launched in 2011 as a location-based dating online dating app. Um, it then eventually lost, launched a live stream functionality. Um, since 2018, there's been a deceleration of growth. In 2018, it grew 51% of revenue. 2019, it grew revenue about 27%. And in 2020, it actually declined revenue about 9%. Um, and and there was a sharp drop in premium users at the time, um, which is really actually very interesting because 2020 is a year where other online dating apps thrived. Um, and so that is not a great thing to see. Additionally, in 2019, Chinese regulators cracked down on one of their apps. Um, they were only temporarily pulled from the app store, but it hurt sales. It hurt popularity. Uh, last month, it changed its name. Uh, it's now Hello Group to try to evolve um, to a social entertainment app. It still has a pretty rich cash-rich balance sheet, but it's definitely not uh, a strong winner. And it seems like it has lost a lot of its luster um, in users, which is something you don't like to see. I have to admit, I did not know the company had changed its name. You're absolutely right. It kept the ticker symbol Momo, which sounds a little bit like Momentum Stocks to some people probably, which always made me smile a little bit. But Momo is now Hello Group, as you as you have wisely pointed out. You know, you mentioned 2020, a great year for dating apps. At least at the start of 2020, Maria, I was thinking, oh my gosh, Match Group, by the way, another M stock we'll be talking about. Match Group, Momo. This is going to be really bad, I would have thought, for them. People aren't going out. Everybody's locked down. Why would you need a location-based dating app or maybe any dating app at all? But that is not actually how the pandemic has played out. Yeah, well, it's because uh, you have no options to meet people in person anymore. All, effectively, all of your other options to meet somebody is gone. And if you're sitting in your house, you don't have very much else going on. So uh, it's a good way and opportunity to meet people and uh, when all of your other options are gone. And then when people are on the app, it seems that they're staying on the app. They've, they've found it. They've used it. It's kind of accelerated how acceptable online dating is. Well, again, one of our M stocks, not this one, has been a beneficiary of this trend, apparently has played the game right. But Hello Group, which is how I will now refer to Momo going forward, uh, goodbye, Hello Group. You were one of the worst performers we've had for a five-stock sampler. And since this sampler is now done, I can, I guess, say goodbye to Hello Group. Let's move from worst to first. And wow, uh, Mercado Libre has appeared in a number of, of our samplers, this being one of them three years ago. I don't think it was in a great place, as I recall. I don't think the stock was performing that well. The stock was at $328 a share. So to have it close over the weekend at 1946 brings a smile to this aging, foolish face. And I see the stock is up 493%, which is I mean, that on its own is going to carry any five-stock sampler to glory. So I'm really happy about Mercado Libre. It's a stock that we've certainly talked about for months and years on this podcast. And anybody who's been a Motley Fool member, you'll see it in many services as a recommendation. Maria, what jumps out to you as we think about the three-year period we've just closed out? Or maybe you could even give us a little bit about the next three years if you like. But what, what is a big picture reflection for you on Mercado Libre? 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's just an amazing company with really strong tailwinds. And you saw kind of all of that combined in the past couple of years. COVID definitely accelerated that, but they continued to deliver outperformance in all its area of investments. If you're just looking at things like user growth, at the end of 2015, it had about 144.6 million registered users. By the end of 2019, there was over 320 million registered users. So you see lots of, and I can pull out lots of different statistics that look like that. Um, Also very interesting in 2019, PayPal actually increased its partnership with Mercado Libre and invested $750 million in this company. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of people refer to Mercado Libre as a combination PayPal, Amazon, and Latin America. But a lot of times when you look at this space, the, the response from people is, well, what if Amazon just tries to do it? Or what if PayPal tries to do it? And this shows that PayPal at least started looking at this, this area and said, you know what? This infrastructure already exists. Instead of trying to compete with it, we're going to encourage it. We're going to partner with it. And so I think that that's a really strong growth for a long-term kind of tailwind for Mercado Libre. Additionally, in the past couple of years, it spent a lot of time investing heavily in logistics to maintain their lead in fulfillment times. It launched same-day delivery in Brazil, Argentina, Chile, and Mexico. Um, And it's been ramping up its marketing and rolling out point-of-sale terminals to support its network growth. So I think it has lots of things going on, but it's doing all of them super well and investing in really smart ways and partnering with really great companies. So uh, I am happy to see how well it did, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Stock was first picked, ticker symbol M-E-L-I, and rule breakers on February 18th of 2009. So it's been a 12 and a half year hold. It was at $14 that day. So for it to go from 14 to nearly 2,000, yep, it's been the best pick in rule breakers history. I think the important thing to note, in addition to it being a 137 bagger for those who play the long game with us and who've been around the fool for a long time, is just to note that, hey, we're all looking at the numbers now just these last three years thinking, man, if I didn't own it, why didn't I own it? I I really missed it. When I picked it three years ago this week, it was at 328. Yep, that's right. We'd already watched it go from 14 to 328. And we said, you know what? We're going to buy it. We like it right here going forward. And boy, if it hasn't gone up another five times in value. And I think many of our listeners already get this. And they have their rule breaker hats on and they realize you've never missed great companies. You haven't missed Apple. You haven't missed Amazon. You haven't missed Mercado Libre. Uh, great companies keep growing. And and even if we're not going to have a 137 bagger anytime soon in Mercado Libre again, how about just a five bagger over the last three years? So, yep, I'm really happy that this company started with the letter M. And I'm delighted to know that on its own, it's created a winning five-stock sampler. But that leaves three other M stocks that we should talk about briefly Marianne, maybe you can get, just give us highlights of any of them that you'd like to underline. I do want to mention Match Group because that was the one, the M stock that's a dating company that I referenced earlier that has done really well. In fact, Match Group picked at $50.53 three years ago, closed the weekend just over $148 a share, up 193%. So smashing the market up 137 percentage points over the market's 56% return. And while Match Group closed at 148.19 over the weekend, I'm happy to say the company announced excellent earnings over the weekend. And this Tuesday, the first day of market trading here in the US, it jumped from 148 to 159. Now, sadly, this sampler will not get any credit for that move because we closed it all out last Friday, but it still counts, I hope, in your portfolio and mine. A great stock just keeps getting greater. Do you want to say something about Match Group? 
Yeah. So Match Group effectively owns the online dating space, right? And so some acquisitions since 2019, that's what they do is they just keep bringing on more and more dating uh, sites to their group. It partnered with Betches to launch a dating app ship, which allows users to help friends pick out dates in 2019. It also acquired Harmonica, which is an Egyptian online dating site. Uh, in 2020, it partnered with a safety platform to increase safety tools on their pro- products. Um, in February of 2021, it acquired HyperConnect, which is a soul-based social network, which is their biggest acquisition to date. It's growing outside of just dating. It's um, entering the S&P 500. Uh, More and more people are just using online dating. In a 2019 study before the pandemic, about 50% of 18 to 29-year-olds have used online dating apps and one in 10 adults uh, in the US was married from an online dating app, Mm. um, according to this study. And so it's only accelerated by the pandemic. um, And so it just continues to do well, and I think continues to really impress. And uh, it's effectively very difficult to compete with them because they have so many apps in this space. All right. Well, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna kind of give short shrift to McCormick, a company I love. Ticker symbol MKC. I love spices. We're all trying to make our meals more interesting than we're cooking in our den, wherever we're cooking in our kitchen these days. And McCormick, a timeless company, up 38 percent. By the way, unfortunately, 18 percentage points behind the market over this three-year period. But Massimo, uh, ticker symbol M A S I. Maria, you and I were talking about that offline. And uh, an insight or two, please, for you about this company that I think of as, you know, when you go to the hospital and you're just there for maybe something routine, but they put a little clip on your pinky and it's a pulse oximeter and it's just measuring the oxygen level in your blood, which, by the way, increasingly Apple watches purport to do to Massimo. That's a staple product for this company. But wow, Maria, the stock up 118 from three years ago to 277 through the weekend. That's more than a double. What do you have for us on Massimo? So obviously, COVID resulted in a surge of demand for those blood oxygen content centers, which is their core business. Like you said, it's in most of the top hospitals in the U.S. Its tech is used to monitor nearly 100 million patients a year. But they've also been producing a lot of new products. And one that's really interesting and exciting is that it has technological advances to include a neuro simulation device that actually reduces symptoms of opioid withdrawal, which could have a massive impact on people suffering from opioid use disorder. So I think that that was something that as I was reading about it, I just think that that could be so powerful and so helpful long term for people. So I think some of their product and a lot of their inventions have been really, really brilliant. So I'm excited to see what they do. Well, it it continues to be a founder led company and one that has been led very ably for years and years. Uh, One of those quieter companies, you know, Massimo, a market cap of 15 billion, which is a, a small candle next to some of the bright lights we've talked about elsewhere this week. But I'm really glad you mentioned that one, Maria. You know, And I think about that new product. And, and I'm just wondering, because Maria, you and I kind of share that we didn't major in finance at college. You and I both kind of went through college. My recollection is that you majored in psychology. I definitely know my major was English literature. But we've always kind of connected at a humanities level on some of these stocks. So isn't it kind of fun that you're there reading about uh, neurotransmitter that Massimo is making that could help com- combat opioid. Did you ever expect in college that we would be having a conversation like this? I absolutely didn't, and I do think it's fun when I start reading uh, reading some of these more te- more science heavy companies, and I remember stuff from my bio my bio classes in college, and I remember things. I'm like, oh yes, yes, I did study this. This is useful. Love it. I think Maria and I are living proof that if you want to learn something. 
You really can. We can be learning machines as people. The internet has enabled that wildly. So I really do think that so many of us, I bet you're nodding your head right now, dear listener, wherever you are. We have an opportunity to learn almost anything we'd like about almost anything. And to be able to say that in human history, in some ways for the first time, really since the internet showed up, gives me goose pimples a little bit. And I think about all that that's done for me, and I hope you too, as an investor, the opportunity to learn new things, to see what might be indistinguishable from magic, to look around for the tailwinds and actually be able to hold your thumb up and maybe catch a few of them because you found out about it because you cared. You you were interested in the stock market. You may not have majored in it, but you were interested in business and in learning and in technology. And that's been those are big themes that we've traced out for you this week. Well, Maria, thank you very much for joining me. Before I let you go, I, I, I let off with Sanmeet and Yasser. I just forgot about it. I meant to ask you right up top, has something funny happened to you recently? So I want to make sure I ask you that before we conclude. Um, I, I don't think that anything super funny has happened to me recently, but I will say that something very fun has happened, which is I live in New York, as a lot of people know, and there are lots of things coming back and lots of community gatherings. And I recently went to an ABBA cover band outside in a park and everyone started dancing to Gimme Gimme. Um, and it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. So I wanted to share that here. So the cover band, do they go by a name? Like, do they advertise themselves or are they just an ABBA cover band? They're an ABBA cover band. They had four <laughs> costume changes and were the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I know you have a lot of New York in you. Did you ever get to see Mamma Mia on Broadway? I didn't, know. You'll have to, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be playing for a long, long time. But that's great. Well, you know, even if it's not funny, it's fun. And that counts on this podcast. So thank you so much, Brian. Have a great week. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. All right. Well, it's time for a final accounting for the... Wait, except before I get to the numbers, I see my producer, Rick, holding up his hand. It's time for a newsflash. I don't know how newsworthy it is, but um, I wanted to make sure that Maria knew that uh, ABBA is back together after 40 years with a new with new music, a new album, and a concert that... Um, well, Yasser mentions the tailwinds behind VR and AR. Well, ABBA is on board with a uh, some sort of virtual concert where they are creating avatars using Lord of the Rings, <laughs> Schmeagol technology. They're wearing weird suits with little balls on them. I'm not sure what's going on with it, but it looks pretty exciting. It sounds amazing. Avatars, no less. Maria, did you in fact know that ABBA is back together? I did. I'm thrilled about it. Uh, Spotify knows how often I listen to ABBA, so Spotify emailed <laughs> me to let me know the Jonas Brothers were playing a concert near me and ABBA is back together. So thank you, Rick. Thank you, Spotify, for getting who I am as a person. Wow. All right. Well, take it all in all, these five stocks over the course of the three years closed last weekend up 157.4%. That is outstanding performance against the market average of 56.2%, meaning this is always nice when it happens this way, that this five-stock sampler averaged beating the market by 101.2%. I love it when we get the triple-digit wins over the market. Wow. Considering that one of the stocks on its own was down 71%, it reminds us of the importance of diversification and not overloading on any one stock. Fair starting line, my fellow fools. And so a fair starting line got us a huge win as we send five Mm, mm. That's what five M's. Mm, mm. Good stocks off to what we're now going to call 
Foolhalla. That's right. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we've done 30 five-stock samplers historically. This is the 15th to go off to what I used to say was pasture, you know, to go off to pasture, to say goodbye and leave right off into the sunset, except that when you start creating this much magic and these many wins, I think it's something bigger than just a pasture or a sunset. I think it's kind of like Valhalla. And whether or not you still believe in the Norse gods, and I think few people do still believe in the Norse gods, you can still be with me here in our collective belief, not just in Valhalla, but in full Hella. And so for the first time, we're officially sending a five-stock sampler with the 14 trailing behind it, some of which outperformed it, off to full Hella. And I have asked my talented producer, Rick, by the way, my daughter, Kate, who listens to this podcast almost every week, said, Dad, you realize whenever you mention Rick, you always say my producer, Rick Engdahl. You always say Rick Engdahl. You never just say Rick. And I thought, that's, that's funny. You're right. Do you have anybody who, whenever they mention a friend of theirs, they always use their full name every time? It's a little odd, my daughter said to me. So my producer, Rick, has specially chosen this Fulhalla music to send this sampler, along with the 14 others, off to the heavens with. And I'll just foreshadow that the 15 more to come as we review them in the following three years, if you enjoy this exciting theme music, you're going to get to hear it over and over again as the review of Palooza's stroll by as the months and the years while away. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rulebreaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.